the attorneys and and just to be frank, they were local attorneys who don't specialize at all in this type of a transaction. Um, they were having a very difficult time wrapping their heads around what the actual asset was. Um, you know, there's no inventory. There's no, because I was not selling the private label. I was keeping that. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. So you're looking for an advantage to help you woo a brand. Well, one of the tools that you can use is scope. You could check out their product and then check out their competitors and find the keywords their competitors are using and check out theirs and see that they're not and then say, okay, I've got an idea. Let me do this. Let me enhance your brand. That's the thing you can bring to the marketplace. When you can enhance the brand, you're going to win that account. So try it. You get a free trial, but sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code momentum and save 50 bucks. It's a free trial. Try it and see if you can enhance the brand. It's time to get the listings right. So what should you do? You should get your images right, right? So Amazing Freedom has a program to help you do that, and we've used them. It's phenomenal what they can do. you got to go look at this. So you go to amazingfreedom.com forward slash photos and take a look at the examples of what you can do with an image. You take and you give them some sample images, um, some simple images, and then what they do is they take and... Um, insert them with lifestyle uh, photos. And so all of a sudden, you're going to see an example of what a plain image looks like and then what it can be enhanced to. Why is this of value to you? Well, you're in the wholesale business. And guess what? You want to add value to the brand. And this is just a simple way to do it. They offer all those kinds of services. Scroll down to the bottom. If you really want somebody to help really improve this service and you want to bring value to that brand because you want exclusivity, the services uh, that they offer for um, listing enhancement will blow your mind. So, again, it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash photos. Take a look at what you can do for your brand that you're trying to get. If you're ready to learn about wholesale, then I suggest Best from the Nest and Robin Johnson. Her unstoppable Amazon Academy will help you learn from basically even opening an account if you're brand new to Amazon, but then all the way to brand building. How do, you, how do you enhance a brand? How do you have that conversation? There's 300 plus videos, probably more than that by now. So very simple. Little as $49 a month. Bestfromthenest.com forward slash EM. That's it. Bestfromthenest.com forward slash EM. Check out the services that they offer. Check out some of the events that she hosts. Do you want to go walk around ASD? Check it out. Bestfromthenest.com forward slash EM. Add an important member to your Amazon team's solutions for e-commerce. Yep, solutions for e-commerce. Karen Locker's team helps manage our Amazon account. We pay full price just like everybody else. We've been using it for a couple of years, and the reason is is because of the results. We modify a lot of listings, especially in wholesale, because we're trying to enhance that listing, right? We're trying to help the brand. And so guess what? That's the type of service that we get from solutions for e-commerce. So it's solutions, the number four, e-commerce dot com forward slash wholesale and you can get fifty dollars off her service go try it give it a shot and say hey could you help me get this listing in line and guess what that allows you to go out and develop relationships with wholesalers and then the work gets done by karen and her team i can't recommend it enough we use it again we pay full price solutions the number four ecommerce dot com forward slash wholesale save 50 bucks get that important part of your team working for you. 
Welcome back to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. This is episode 375, Fred McKinnon. Now, this is a, uh, a pretty serious story. I mean, it's worth listening to probably more than once to hear what could happen to you. All outside of your control. All You can do everything right. And things happen. Life happens. And life has happened to you and other things. So guess what? It could happen to here as, as we both kind of talk about you need an umbrella because it's going to rain. And so uh, Fred's had, uh, the, as he describes it perfectly, the perfect storm um, in with his uh, e-commerce business and uh, his, his personal life. So I think it's a great story, a great example of a guy who's got clarity on what really defines him not what used to be. And he's one of the guys who, like me, because we're about the same age, that our career used to define us. Not anymore. And, man, it's it's a shame it took us both so long to learn that. Um, but, man, to see him come out on the other side, it's amazing. He's so inspiring. Um, by the way, and I didn't really address this very much, he does consulting. He's got some pretty big clients. He sold over $65 million on Amazon. So if you're ever looking for somebody to help you scale, this is the guy to do that. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest, a return guest, and it's been two years since I've had him on the show. His life has turned uh, over two or three times. Um, his business has turned over two or three times, and it's very, very interesting on the reaction. And I was fortunate just to see him uh, a couple weeks ago in Atlanta at the Atlanta Mart. And we got to spend some time talking about changes and then adapting to those changes outside of your control. Fred McKinnon. Welcome back, Fred. Hey, man. It's great to be back on, Stephen. It's great to have you again. It was great to see you um, uh, a couple weeks ago. That was that was an amazing experience because both of us were brand new to that market. Neither one of us had been there before. It is over, and I only went in that one building you and I were in. Did you make it to all three? Yeah, I went to all three buildings. I spent two days there. I think my Fitbit says I walked about 12 miles. <laughs> and I I would guess that I saw 30% of the show. It is, you know, you know, I have New York now coming up um, in a couple of weeks. Maybe maybe this will be out. I'll probably have already been there by then. But um, massive, the Javits Center in New York. It's huge. It's uh, five room. I mean, just huge. I go for a lot of trade shows there. I honestly believe that um, the Atlanta Mart was significantly bigger. I have to look to do the square footage because it just felt that way. I just kept going to floor after floor after floor. I'm like, where? And then I just wandered down hallways and I never made it down all of them. And I only stayed in that one building. Incredible. Yeah, it's overwhelming to say the least. And I'll tell you the lesson that I took away from it. And honestly, I should have known this because uh, I learned this at ASD. Um, if you don't go with a plan ahead of time, then you're just basically lost. Yeah. So uh, now, you know, um, American Smart has a great app on uh, iPhone app and website. So uh, I had the app and I really wish now in retrospect, I had spent a couple of days uh, glancing through all of the exhibitors, doing a little research on them and making a, a plan that they, they have a really cool thing where you can build your whole plan in the app and, and it, it'll give you a floor plan of exactly where you need to go. And you can type notes in for each exhibitor, really an incredible thing that I didn't really utilize. 
And now in retrospect, I wish I had utilized it more, but I'll know better next time I go. Yeah, I, I think it's there's always a learning curve. I You know, every place like ASD, any one of them, there's always a learning curve. Um, and I didn't go with any intention of buying anything or seeing anything and really with zero expectations. I was there for another purpose in Atlanta. I had the next morning to kill. Um, and other than to meet with you, um, and a, a breakfast I never made it to, by the way, I got lost in Atlanta's, uh, subway system. I literally, <laughs> I went on four, I went South, I went North, I went South, I went North. And I finally said to the guys, I'm not going to meet them for breakfast. I, there was no way. I don't know what I was doing. I have no clue. Anyway, um, I had zero expectations. Um, but I found wholesale accounts there that I am going to do business with. Um, and it was very, very surprising. My, my cool stories is this, I'm walking down this aisle and, I, I didn't pick my head up at all. I just looking at a product and it caught my eye and I'm reading it and it says something about uh, made in, um, it's something about Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And I'm like, Carlisle, Pennsylvania. I'm like, that's where I live. And I look up and I recognize who the the manufacturer is. And they're like, well, or I, I didn't even recognize it at first. I'm like, Carlisle, Pennsylvania. He goes, well, we're really from a little place south of there. You would never hear. I'm like, dude, here's where I live. He goes, Oh, <laughs> it was so cool that this, this local, I mean, local to me was there in a big way. And that really, I guess that, that also, um, showed the breadth of the, uh, products that were there. Just phenomenal. Oh yeah. I had a very similar experience. Uh, I was walking by a booth and, uh, the guy read my badge and saw St. Simon's Island, Georgia. He goes, Oh, you're from St. Simon's. I said, yeah, you know it. He goes, well, no, but there's another company from St. Simon's right there across the across the uh, aisle. And so sure enough, I think, well, I'm going to know who they are because this isn't a large island, right? I mean, I feel like I've, having lived here since 1995. You know everybody. I know everybody. You might even be related to half of them, right? Yeah. Right, right. Um, and, they, and they all know me more than I know them sure, from, the uh, from my, my former job where I was in front of 1,500 people you know, every week. So, uh, at any case, I'll walk around the corner and I'm like, number one, I've never heard of this company in my life. Number two, I've never seen these individuals in my life. And sure enough, company doing tons of business right here out of my own backyard. Uh, people I'd never met before. Of course, we all knew the same people. So I was like, I can't believe we haven't met. So yeah, you really know, never know what's happening right behind you. Did that open an opportunity for you? It did not in the sense that uh, they were not interested in being on Amazon at all. I did discuss it, um, and, and it could open up opportunities in the future. And really, I probably wouldn't have pursued them regardless. I, the product just didn't seem to be the type of product that I felt would really do well um, online. It's the kind of thing you really want to touch and feel. Yeah, I the, my company, the one that what they sell, I'm just not interested in selling it. I, I, you know, I was explaining to my son this morning, we were having a conversation, and I said to him, I said, I'm at that place in my life. I only want to sell things I'm interested in. Um, yeah. I don't want to sell things just to make money. I really want to be interested in a particular product, or I'm just not interested in selling it. Um, yeah. it, it there's just too many other things that I think you have to build depth on whatever you're selling. And if I'm not interested in a product, it's going to be, man, eh, got it now. You know, there's no connection. Maybe that's the better way to say it. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. And it's good to be to the place where you can make those decisions. Yeah. And, and I think 
it's a choice, right? And, and, you know, staying interested in making sure that, you know, this is a job. I don't want to say that because uh, Sean Umanichek said that a while ago, that the, as, as jobs go, and I think we can attest, you could attest to this, this is a pretty good job. Um, and there's nothing wrong with a good job, um, nothing wrong with it at all. Now, let's, let's segue that right into your situation. So um, Fred is a musician, uh, been at a business, a church for 27 years. Is that correct? Well, not the same church. Um, I've, I've been on a church staff since 1994. Okay. So okay. I worked Long for time. Two, years, two years at one church then I, in Mississippi. Then I moved here to St. Simon's Island, Georgia, worked for one church for 12 years, and um, just w- finished working at a, another church on the island for almost 12, 11 and a half years. Okay. Long time, yeah. Yeah, long time. And so outside of your control, and, and I mean, I, I, I know this might be a little sensitive, so tell me when to pull back, Steve, say it's too much. But outside of your control, the situation changed. Now, uh, Fred is also was a significant dropshipper, right? You don't hide that. I mean, massive. You were your best year, 14 million, if I remember correctly. That sounds about right. Yeah. Okay, so fourteen million, massive. Um, I remember the conversation, and you, you know, t- margins maybe four percent or something like that. But at that time, and we were talking in the pre-call, the biggest challenge you were coming into was customer service um, and expectations. The market's changing, and you know your costs are going skyrocketing, um, and this and that. Right. So that was a scenario a couple of years ago. That's all going well. Uh, staff is good. You got people helping you. You're working at the church, and then. All of a sudden, a few things have come together, right? So I don't know which piece you want to peel first. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, you'd like for everything to happen in its perfect time. And this is it's just been the perfect storm. Mm. Uh, and it all really started unraveling a couple of years ago. Um, and when it started unraveling was right after, you know, right around that $14 million year mark. Uh we, I just honestly really started getting burned out on that whole process of massive dropship. Uh, you know, we had close to a million listings oh on Amazon. <laughs> Wait, say that again. A million a listings. Mil- one million. Oh my uh, God. I used a channel advisor and on numerous occasions – um, my feed stopped working because I had an excess of 1 million SKU in the system. And, you know, that doesn't mean they were all active by any means. I think at one time maybe there was close to a half a million active SKU on Amazon. Um, and, you know, things were going well, but my heart wasn't in it anymore. The stress was unbelievable, and I was coming into a, a, a a season of life as a husband and as a father where I just didn't want to continue to bear the burden of all of that stress and work. And then I'm still working full time for a church and my responsibilities at the church began to increase. So some of the things I was originally hired for, I began to be responsible for more of that and I enjoyed it. And so it was always important to me to give my best energy there that was my full-time job and and then just manage my employees and make sure the business was running well uh but i finally you know got into private label and i started a private label brand <clears throat> and i was really happy with the margin there and i was also happy with the 
lack of stress having my own private label. I wasn't getting shut down by Amazon for trademark or copyright infringement. Uh, you know, the returns were not happening hardly at all. The margins were good. And I just realized that I could almost make the same money off of that than I could with all the other stuff. So I set out to sell the company. And to make a long story short, uh, uh, right away found a buyer and we agreed upon price. And all of that was great. But the transaction fell apart in the fall. It fell apart where, where these things often fall apart. And it was with the attorneys. Okay, so it wasn't a financing issue. It was an attorney issue and rights and all that kind of jazz, correct? Yeah, it was It was really both. Um, okay. We probably could have pressed through the attorney issue. What the attorneys, and, and just to be frank, they were local attorneys who don't specialize at all in this type of a transaction. Um, they were having a very difficult time wrapping their heads around what the actual asset was. Um, you know, there's no inventory. There's no, because I was not selling the private label. I was keeping that. So, so this was really your intellectual system in right. essence, right? It was uh, essentially, they finally, it's what they called it, a system, a yeah, money-making right. system mm -hmm. um, that consisted of, of our, our seller central account, our history, our feedback, the IT solutions that we used, all of our vendor accounts, and... Uh, but they were really struggling to put that into legal terms. Yeah, it's 100% goodwill, and banks don't like right. to finance goodwill uh, because it's the it's arbitrary, right? It's it's yeah. it's it's interpretative. Interpretative. I don't know how to say that word, but you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, Subjective. I think you know the banks here, small town local bank. You know they were cool with funding the purchase, but where the where the rubber really hit the road was with all of my dropship distributors. Mm who over uh, 10 years, I had, I had built up massive credit lines, you know, some of them two, $300,000 a month, net 30. Uh, and although my account and all of my key great pricing would transfer to the new owner, those credit lines obviously would not transfer to the new owner. And the credit lines that the potential new owner was receiving were not enough credit to make it through even one week of sales. And I knew what that would happen. I knew that uh, <clears throat> after about four days, he'd run out of credit with the distributors and couldn't process any more orders. All this to say we were heading into October and I felt like it would just be suicide to try to get this guy into the business when he had never done e-commerce before. Oh yeah. And I couldn't do it in good conscience. And then we got hit with Hurricane Matthew and we had to evacuate. And the hurricane passed within a few days, but we weren't allowed access back to our homes and offices for about a week. Um, we couldn't get back onto the island. So this really is the perfect storm. You're not kidding when yeah, you say yeah. all this. Yeah. Wow. So, so that falls apart. And in retrospect, I realize now that I sort of spiraled into a bit of a depression, not like clinical depression, uh, couldn't get out of bed kind of a thing. Not to make any light of that's very serious, obviously, but I was really disheartened and discouraged. My staff knew it. It's tough to tell your employees and your team, hey, love you guys, but I'm selling the business. Um, and then 
So they know you're you're done. They know you've checked out. Right. And and so all of a sudden their world's changing. It's a it, and to be fair, it's not an unfair thing. It changes the conversation in their mind to themselves. What about me? Where's right. my future? And you probably were like, "No, I've got a good guy. It's going to take care of things." And yeah. So you were trying to address the uncertainty. Right. Um and so then when it falls apart, I come mm. back. And, you know, and I think in, in their hearts, they all know, well, he's not back because he changed his mind. He's yeah. back because it fell through and he's still not really into it. And on top of all that, we began to see historical plunges in our growth sales, unlike we had ever seen. I mean, one of our biggest marketplaces at the time was Jet and Jet had just launched and we were a part of actually launching Jet. We were one of their friends and family launch partners. Um, and, uh, just a business change, business model change with jet. Uh, we were doing tremendous volume on that website and overnight we lost all of that volume because they, uh, went straight to our distributors and they cut us out. Hmm. So that was a massive loss of revenue. And about the same time, Walmart started suppressing any listing that wasn't price competitive to Amazon. So literally, we watched our gross sales just plummet to the point where we were no longer able to, um, you know, um, cover our budget. Can I ask you a question? On uh, let's go back to the jet description. Um, you you've been doing this a long time. You've had relationships with these companies forever, right? So if it, if it would, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Why why did that company? go direct. I mean, what was, what, what, I mean, if you had to think about that now, and if maybe if you were in their shoes, what, what, what did they gain? What do you think they were trying to gain? I mean, they weren't trying to stick it to Fred, obviously that has nothing to do no, with it. Yeah. No, they weren't. Um, of course I would just have to be careful in what I say only in the fact that I've, uh, not under any contract or obligation, but yeah, don't bad mouth them. I'm just trying to understand what they were trying to do to, uh, put myself in that situation. My, if I had to guess, I would say that, uh, they were burning through money like crazy. And that, okay. that's not a, that's public knowledge. They were burning through capital and funding and they went through numerous rounds of, of venture capital and they were burning through it faster than, you know, it was crazy. Uh, and they had to stop the bleeding. And one of the ways they could stop the bleeding was by cutting out the middleman, which was, um, totally against what they their model when they started, which was that they would never do that, and that when they initially launched the platform, you know, you were promised you're never going to compete against Jet like you compete against Amazon retail. So, you know, it just it just turned on a dime, and uh, and and that that hurt a lot. So that changed the whole business model. So, so let's be clear. So it wasn't the manufacturer that w well, we think. We don't know. So again, we don't know. But however it was, now there was no... The, I mean, you know, you kind of hear this about Amazon sometimes is that, you know, that they go, well, I know they do. So I go to a show. I'll be in New York in a show in a couple of weeks. Um, and I met an Amazon rep there signing up those wholesale accounts just like I was. That was their job. That was her job. Right. Yep. And so she's there to not to compete against Steve. She has no clue who I am, but she's there trying to squeeze out any customers they can because they want to have every product they can. Right. And um, so that same thing was happening on other platforms outside of your control. You did nothing wrong. 
right? right. Okay. Okay. I just want to, I think that's the hard part for people to hear is, is that, you know, but they need you, Fred, you were, you were a huge customer of theirs, right? I mean, massive. Right. Well, yes and no. I was a massive customer, but I was a uh, customer that they were not in profit with me Ah. um, because they were actually subsidizing sales in the early stages, meaning that um, they would take a loss to be able to match Amazon's price on a product that we sold, but they would still pay us our asking price. So if our price to jet was $50, they would pay us $50, but they might sell it to the customer for 30 and they'd take a $20 loss. And that was so they can gain market share and get established, get their foothold. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And that's not uncommon, but, uh, yeah, it's important for listeners to know that this happens all the time. I've, I've visited, uh, one of my big distributors warehouses, um, actually up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, massive warehouse. And, uh, and it's interesting, you know, that, you see all of the product rolling down the rollers, and there's one whole section of it with individual Amazon boxes going down. And I'm like, these aren't truckloads of stuff going to Amazon. These are individual orders in Amazon boxes. So, you, you know, you find out that Amazon, at least then, was somewhat drop shipping themselves. Hmm. So, um, you know, all this has happened in Stephen and, uh, my expenses are more now than our revenue. and That's bad math. Right? That's, that's not good. Math. And uh, thank God for retained earnings. The old uh, Dave Ramsey school yeah. of thought, we, uh, we stuck a lot of money. I had, I had a lot of money in the bank so much that, you know, people were like, you should be investing this or something else. But it was there for these types of things. You invested it in risk. Right. Exactly. Risk mitigation. Right? Risk That's mitigation. so critical. And mm. we would have uh, I, I would have either violated some contracts or are gone bankrupt. One of the two would have happened. But uh, in February of 2018, in February of 2018, uh, the contract with my IT providers. So I'd mentioned Channel Advisor. I had Channel Advisor and one other large one that managed some other things. Uh that contract came up for renewal. And at this point, Stephen, I'm really burned out on the whole mass dropship model. Uh, we weren't really making the money that we were making before. Um, it had gotten to the point where weekly, if not multiple times per week, we were getting policy violations from Amazon from brand management owners. Well, can you explain that a little bit? Can you walk us through? Because if somebody who doesn't who's new to that, doesn't understand that they haven't received them yet. We all have. But when you're there for a little while, you'll start to get these. Explain what, why you would get that notification. Well, it's part of it is the way that Amazon works. Uh, if you have historically sold on an ASIN, on a product, whether you're actively selling there or not, you can still be dinged by their performance team if a brand owner makes a complaint. Um, so... As you can imagine, I said I, I had a half a million active products in the catalog. So uh, a company might file a trademark infringement against a set of ASINs. And if we were selling that, or even if we weren't actively selling it anymore, but we had been selling it, the way Amazon's system works is every seller of record on that ASIN gets a 
performance violation, which is, you know, huge risk. Enough of those, you get your account permanently suspended. And with the huge catalog of products that we had, it, it brought massive exposure to us with liability. And it was a weekly occurrence when we would get a policy violation for a copyrighted image or unauthorized, not supposed to sell, or people that we had sold for years and had good relationships with would just decide we don't want anyone selling on Amazon anymore. And rather than just send you a courtesy email and say, hey, you got 30 days to take down your listings, they just take the easy route and go to Amazon compliance and file a complaint. Hmm. Um, We were literally getting those nonstop. We were shut down. We were suspended for almost the entire month of July because trademark complaints from one company. And, uh, And did you have an agreement with one of their distributors so that it was legit? Listen, not only did we have a legit distribution agreement, we were platinum partners of that brand's on on program. So like, you know, we're authorized to buy it wholesale from distribution and resell it, but also on that brand's website, at their corporate website, they have like a, a reseller alliance program that you can join. We were like a platinum member of that. So we're completely allowed to sell the product and when they first started filing all of these trademark infringement cases at Amazon, I reached out and I said, hey, um, there's a mistake here. You know, um, not only are we buying authorized product from your authorized distributor that you have authorized us to buy from, but we're a part of your actual partner program at the brand level. And their response back to me was, yeah, yeah, we realized that. You're not violating our trademark at all, but we've got multiple product detail pages showing up for the same products on Amazon, and we've asked Amazon to merge them, but they won't merge them. So the only way we can clean up the listings is to file this so that Amazon will delete the AC. You know, I've been thinking about that because you told me that in Atlanta, and I was thinking it about was this. Horrendous. Couldn't horrendous. you get a, an authorization letter from them? Like a lot of the brands that I have, you have to tell, you know, your store name and your blah, 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 give away all your stuff. And then you get that authorization letter, and then you put that in. Um, can't you do that? Or wouldn't, couldn't you have done that in this scenario? You couldn't do Look, We tried everything. Oh, okay. We sent receipts, we sent distribution receipts. I sent a screenshot of myself logged in as an Alliance reseller and I got the same frustrating response Mm -hmm. that anyone who's sold on Amazon for very long will understand. We read your appeal, but we can't, we can't reinstate you because the brand owner has to do it. Right. So it had to come from the person filing the complaint. They had to ask for the complaint to be removed and they refused to do it. Um, so all of that to say, um, I could talk about that. And well, it's pile on. I mean, to me, it's this yeah. this stuff's piling on your shoulders, Fred. Right? It's I mean, this- on my shoulders. And so in February 2018, I took a big deep breath. I looked at the trends. I met with a business mentor who looked in the books and looked at the trends, and the trends were all down. And I made the plunge. And uh, sadly, I I laid off and and let go all of my employees and I terminated the IT agreement with our IT company. So on March the 1st, 
of 2018, I sort of rebooted my company and I deleted, I purged and replaced all of the listings out of Amazon, Walmart, all of those marketplaces. I wiped out everything and listed about a dozen SKU of my private label and, and the, uh, a handful of, of wholesale flips, you know, that I might buy clearance items or wholesale opportunities. Stuff you don't have to worry about. Like you don't, right. you don't worry about. So, so let's just pause for a second. You go from half a million listings to virtually 25 listings. Yeah. At most. Now, how do you not, I mean, and I mean, this is, maybe this is where the faith comes in. How do you not give up? How do you not just say, you know what? This is a clue. This is a hint. This is a, and you don't just give up and move on to another thing. I mean, how do you get through that, friend? Well, it's because I had I saw the potential. Okay. I saw I saw the potential of the private label. Oh, saw, because you were dabbling in it. Yeah, ah. yeah, and it was doing well. It was doing well. So it was actually the profits from the private label were being absorbed into the failing profits of the mass dropship model. And I was like, you know, this isn't, this doesn't make sense anymore. And one of the hardest things for an entrepreneur to do is let go. Yeah. Uh, we tend to cling and hold on too long. And that's one of always been one of my weaknesses is that I've held a property too long. Um, or I've, I've held a venture too long and not passed passed it on to the next level soon enough. So that's the Could you, can you offer something here? Can you go back and think about earlier, were there clues and signs that you could have, should have listened to earlier or did it have to get that far along? I mean, I hate to see you went, you ate through your retained earnings. Obviously that's terrible. Were there any other clues that looking back and being honest that you should have paid attention to? Yeah, there were. And, Hmm. uh, but I still don't know if I would have done it differently. Okay. Um, because I just could not have pre- predicted how awful 2017 was going to be. Um, so many things came together um, that just made that, you know, I just, it really, it really started nosediving in 2017. And, and at the end of the day, the biggest, ble- ironically, the biggest blessing in all of that is that the sale of my business had failed. Huh. Because how oh, could you imagine putting that on somebody else? Oh my gosh! It would have been, de- and, and, and they're local, and they're a friend, oh, yeah. and a brother in Christ, and in our church. Uh, it just, it would have devastated me to see this happen. And I, I, at the end of the day, I think that's why the sale didn't happen. Both of us were people of faith. And, um, both of us were praying that if it were meant to be, that would work. And that we, I wanted him protected as much as he wanted me protected. Mm -hmm. And that's the way we went into the whole thing. So I'm so glad that, that, that fell apart. So yeah, we kicked that off, um, kicked that off in 27, uh, in February, March of 2018. And so I began to slowly scale and build my, my private label business and some wholesale. Um, I, and I wish that were where everything. Yeah. 
Well, I wish that's where the rain stopped. But yeah, well, there is another store. I mean, there's a big storm, but I just want to stop here a second. The yeah. fact that you've been able to pivot, uh, the fact that, because Andy uh, Slammons always says this, if you're doing RA, don't stop doing RA, developing PL, because PL takes a while to build up, right? You're going to try a whole bunch of things, and a bunch of it's not going to work. And so you've really got to get through all that. Don't stop what you're doing. So your lesson to me, I mean, about drop shipping, because, uh, again, 100% outside of your control all these changes, right? Not from you doing anything wrong. These other businesses are trying to survive. They've changed their model, changed their, usually CEOs change, whatever. All that stuff can change tomorrow, regardless of your relationships. But take those proceeds, invest in a long play, right? Dropshipping wasn't a long play. What could it be? And you did that and look at the, the place that you, at least you had an option, I guess, right? Right. So exactly. I don't want to miss that. I, I just think that there's something so powerful in that part of the story. And then let's just say everything goes rosy from here on out, right? Just nice and easy. Life stays. Right. No, <laughs> no. So I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you off. I just don't want people to miss that. You were smart enough to have retained earnings. You knew it was going to rain. So you had an umbrella and then you invested in something else because you saw the writing on the wall you heard something somewhere, whatever it was that made you do that, you did it um, and found some footing. So I think that that's powerful stuff for people to hear. I agree. And, you know, let me just throw this in there uh, as a PS. Um, hearing my story would tend to make people and already has made some people who have talked to me proclaim that drop shipping is not a viable e-commerce model. And, mm. and I would beg to differ there. It is completely viable in the right parameters. So would, would I encourage someone to do what I did? Not if, unless they really could stomach the stress and the risk. But I, I do believe that there's immense potential there when, when you work with some more niche manufacturers who don't have 50 people trying to sell it all at the same time where you can control inventory and the relationship, but you don't have to take physical possession of the product. I think there's huge opportunity there and that's still drop shipping. So what I count, you know, as, as I do now, as I do consulting with others, would I consult them to hook up FTP feeds to 25 national well-known drop shippers and to splatter their Amazon account with a million active listings, never would I consult them to do that. But I would not say that that whole drop shipping uh, principle in itself is a dead business model at all. Would you would you say that you're seeing more companies, especially distributors, moving into their to using Amazon as a, a distribution network, kind of almost drop shipping um, themselves? Absolutely. And so that, to me, that's what I see, you know, it's interesting. A whole bunch of people had trouble this year with toys, right? Selling toys, the hot toys, the price goes up, and but the price didn't go up as much as people thought because the demand was high, but the supply was able to keep track. And I always say that's just companies getting better and better at inventory management because they're forced to, right? Yeah. They're forced to. Well, the same thing happens with these distributors. They're forced to get that sophistication. As their inventory systems get more sophisticated, that gives them capacity. And as Amazon makes it easier to, to link up, um, I just see I see more of that. And that's definitely something to be cautious. But your advice is, hey, 
go to the smaller guys because they're not going to do that. That's not likely. They're not going to invest in the resources it would take to do that. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So the PS is good, and I think it's really uh, solid. And, you know, Fred does consulting for uh, dropshipping if anybody's interested in that, especially brands. But let's talk about the next challenge in your life uh, because it just doesn't end there. It, like you said, it when it rains, it pours. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, during this, during this whole season, um, in November of – 2017. Am I getting my dates right? Yeah. November of 2017. Um, while all this is happening, I, I get an interesting uh, call from the leadership at the church where I'm working, where I've been serving for, yeah, at that point, about 10 and a half years. And in a nutshell, um, pretty much out of nowhere, they let me know in the most gracious possible way that they could that uh they're not sure that I'm the right fit as as their music guy there at the church. Um, and they're thinking about maybe making a change. They want to go another direction. They want to go another direction. Um, basically, you know, uh, just just some philosophical differences in, in, in uh, um, how how things would be handled, uh, what they're looking for to what they're looking for in their, in their music guy, which was different than what I was providing. So, um, at this point now I'm, uh, I'm having this massive decision to make because the big it contract that I keep talking about, it's an annual contract. And so when it comes up for renewal, I'm basically committing myself to that mass dropship model for another year or not. It's all in, you know, our bust. Um, and I know that that contract renewal is coming up March the 1st of 2018. So it's November 2017. And I just find out that the job that I had hoped that I would have until I retired. Um, again, and keeping in mind to your listeners, that was my full-time job. Uh, and you had already pointed out that's where your heart was. That's where you gave a hundred percent. Right. That right. never got cut at the cost of your Amazon business. That is that is a good you know seventy percent of my overall revenue, take home pay, and benefits. I have four kids, a wife, pretty pretty uh, monster. A lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. A lot of responsibility. So now that's in jeopardy, and so not only. Do I have to make this massive decision about a business model change? I, I have that weight weighing over me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I went with the counsel of my business mentor and my wife, uh, who her thought was the whole dropship model. She was so ready for me to be done with it. She's like, it's a no brainer. We don't even need to discuss it. Kill it. Kill oh, it. Jesus. <laughs> Your wife sounds like mine. So, you know, we, we've already lost all our retained earnings. Get out while you still can. So um, I got out and and then uh, went through a pretty, pretty awkward year of my life uh, working for the church, knowing that I wasn't really wanted there. And every day going to work, wondering if that was the week that they were going to let me go. Um, and. So in September of this year, September 2018, um, that's when they, you know, 
almost a year later, 10 months later, after initially telling me that they thought maybe they might make a change, uh, they called me in and said, today's the day. We're going to make the change. Thanks for your service, mm. uh, which was pretty brutal, um, you know, seeing how that other than my little side hustles in e-commerce and, and whatnot, that was the only job that I had had since college. It was my life. It was my identity. Yeah, it that's that's passion. hard for guys, especially, because yeah. you defined yourself by that, right? You were the guy. Everybody knew you. Like you said, you probably didn't know everybody, but they all knew you. Right. And, and, and they made it abundantly clear that there was no negligence. There was nothing immoral right. or wrong. Mm-hmm. I had invite. As a matter of fact, all of my employee evaluations had been meets or exceeds expectations every year. Um, it was it was just a uh, philosophical change in direction musically, and I would say probably culturally and even appearance wise uh, that they wanted to take. Uh, and you know, so that was tough. It, that was hard. tough to recover. Oh my and, and my, thought, my thought when all this happened is because at this point, I know the timeline gets confusing, but you think that I let all the employees go and I and I restarted my business in March 2018. Okay, well, to do that, I had to lower my business salary dramatically because I went from doing a half a million in sales a month to doing 15,000 in sales a month. (laughs) All right, so I lowered my salary a lot. We made some some pretty drastic cuts in our personal budget, but I still had the church salary. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to build this up back to, to the level of salary that I had before I cut everything. Right. I just Which, need time. Yeah. I just need time. And, and then to, to make that even worse, my, you know, it wasn't happening fast enough. And then my real safety net, which was the job at the church got snatched out from under me in September. Uh, so at this point, you know, you're, you've got a whole lot of trust and a whole lot of prayer and, and a whole lot of grit to, you said something to me in Atlanta that really struck me and stuck with me is that you really had to make a go of it. Yeah. You had no choice, but you had to make a go of it. Do you think, I mean, cause you had fire in it. You, you, you were trying to outrun the dropship business. I get that, you know, with the private label, but, if the church didn't make this change, do you think you'd be as far along as you are now? Because you're having really a lot of success, and it's clearly you are driven. I mean, I I, I saw it in your eyes. You're 100 percent driven. <laughs> yeah. I have to be driven, man. Are you yeah. kidding? Right? Do you do you think, you know, if that had not changed, do you think you would be? Not not at all. Okay. No no way. Um, at, at the end of the day, I was comfortable, and uh, I, I was comfortable. And Is it you were comfortable? Were you complacent? Yes, absolutely. Mm. I was comfortable. I was complacent, um, somewhat on autopilot. Uh, so I'm not faulting anyone. No, you know? no, no. I get it. Yeah. Myself, uh, um, and uh, I, I would have never. I would. I would have never. I've been able to. I've been able to double my business in three months. And now that's still not quite enough. <laughs> I need to. I need to double it again to get to the place where I I'm covered, you know, like I was in the beginning. I want to get back to the place revenue wise where, uh, the amount of salary I had working at the church combined 
with the salary that I was taking as the owner of the company prior to changing the business model. Um, that that's my goal, and and I hope to be there within a few months. Well, you know that uh, what it, this is where the the story goes to some uplifting stuff. All right, so we we really took it down there, and I appreciate you. I know this is all very sensitive to you. Um, and like you said, though, this is all outside of your control. You did nothing wrong, and the church is going a different direction. They're under challenges. Let's face it. They've got massive challenge. Every church does, and so they're trying to figure it out themselves, just like that company is. Absolutely. Right? But what's so cool to me is that the optimism in your voice, the encouragement that I think you would offer to others, there is life after change if you do the work. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, you can't sit sit in the corner and suck your thumb. Um, and I, I think I was telling you, and honestly, I meant to look this up, and I, and I'm, I just dropped the ball there. I didn't do it. But uh, right after this happened, right after it happened, maybe a few weeks after it all happened, and man, am I ever going through the stages of grief. Um, and that's the best mm. way to describe it. There are yeah. there, counselors will say there are very defined um, predictable stages of grief for someone that goes through a, a deeply grieving experience, like losing a spouse or a child. Um, and man, am I ever going through that? I'm still going through it, but it was uh, with the help of some counseling, I was able to identify and really see very clearly I was in the middle of that. And in the, and just so fresh, raw into it, um, I was listening to uh, Pat Flynn, Smart Passive Income podcast, and he had a guest on an, uh, I just wish I had looked it up. It wasn't, it was in December, I believe, or maybe November. He had on a guest who went through an equally challenging situation. He was a very, very, very well-known radio personality, podcast radio personality, and through some crazy set of circumstances, his own business partners kicked him out of his own company. And he was the brand. He was the brand. Um, and they kicked him out of his own company. Somehow they had the controlling interest to make that happen. I don't know the whole story. Um, but it was it was pretty devastating. And this is something he built that was his baby. And uh, he was kicked out of it pretty much overnight. Um, and And he was so inspiring. And he basically sucked his thumb in the corner for a, a couple of days. And then he got his butt in gear. And he's killing it. He's just crushing it. Jordan so, Harbinger is his name. That's him. That's I looked it up. I had to look it up because he got me intrigued. Jordan Harbinger. You got to listen to that All episode. Right. I'm uh, going to make a note in here. Bookmark it because it's not when is change coming. I mean, it's not it yeah. came. It's when change comes. Well, let me ask you this, because I think this is important. You, you, like me, Steve, you defined yourself by your job. That's a normal man thing to do. First time you meet you, hey, what do you do for a living, Fred? Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Do you, did you, do you define yourself by your failings if some people do? Especially, <sighs> what's no, so hard about this is it's outside yeah. of your control. I'm trying to learn not to define myself <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, you know, but I would say that these failings have had immense value. Uh, is it a 
Is it John Maxwell? I think calls You're it. You're giving me the chills. Oh, you just said that. <laughs> failing forward. I think this John Maxwell um, uh, book called Failing Forward. You know, and and you set yourself up for failure now and then. You, you don't want fatal failure. You know, never try to put yourself in a position where you're going to have fatal failure. But failing forward, making those mistakes, skinning up the knee and learning from it. You know, you think about a uh, play a little guitar every now and then, and I don't play consistently enough. And and when you when you don't play enough, you lose the calluses on your fingertips. And when you start playing guitar again, um, it hurts. It's painful. And, and you get these grooves and these these raw marks on the end of your fingertips. But if you stay with it, they callous over so that you can just play and play and play. Um, that little bit of pain actually brings value so that you can push the strings down against the fretboard harder when you need to. Um, and that's part of failing and failing forward. Do I, do I identify myself? I try not to do it by what I do for a living anymore, and I try not to do it by my failure, I try to do it by who I am, you know, who I am and what I'm passionate about and who I try to be on a daily basis. And, uh, it's not about money. It's about love. You know, it's funny and it's weird for guys to say that. And it's hard for guys to say that, but a hundred percent that family of four, your wife who stuck with you and supported you and did all those things that, community, that church you're still probably a member of because you live there, right? I mean, all those people, um, that's that's who you are, right? Oh. And, uh, hmm. you know, yeah. I'm, just, I'm reading his, John yeah. Maxwell's quote, fail early, yeah. fail often, but always fail forward. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry, you were saying something. I apologize. Oh, no, I, I don't remember what I was saying. It's it just, uh, yeah, I want to be remembered you think about you think about the eulogies you hear when you go to a, a funeral. As, as a music minister, believe me, I've done hundreds, yeah. hundreds of funerals, and they never go on and on and on about your business success. They just don't. You just don't hear it. You At might all. hear a little bit of it mentioned, but what you hear is what kind of husband they were, what kind of dad they were, what kind of grandfather they were. You hear the memories, you know, as clergy, when we would meet with a, a grieving family and prepare for a memorial service, one of the things we would do is tell me stories, tell me stories about your loved one, um, because you wanted to lighten up the mood and tell some of those stories in the service. And it, it was never, oh, he worked till 10 o'clock and built a seven figure business. That was never the story. Mm. It was always, you remember that time. It was always memories based about those good times. And that, that's how I think we should strive to define ourselves so that, that we'll have more of those on the board than any of our success or failure in business. Oh, my goodness. You know, I was sitting here thinking about this because usually I, you know, I close with, you know, let me uh, give advice and this and that. But I, I, I think I want to ask a different way this time. And, and I'll put Fred's contact in there. And you really should go listen to his previous episode. It's episode 174 couple of years ago. And I remember you talking about challenges that were coming up outside of your control then and look at what yeah. it's done now. And so it's very interesting. But I think the thing that I'd like to close with is this, you know, designing a business now, you're designing with a desired profit in mind, regardless of sales, correct? Correct. Where in the past, you might design it revenue, 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 period. 
And, and so I guess, could you talk a little bit, just a, a verse or two about that and how that's so different for you now and your approach to it maybe, and maybe others could too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've always known this. We, anyone knows this, but we forget quickly that the allure of big sales numbers is deceiving. Um, I'm married to a very grounded, practical, call it like it is wife. I love her. It was her birthday this week. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Um, and when I would come home and say, baby, we did $220,000 on jet this week. She's like, well, how much of that are you keeping? Huh. <laughs> the voice of reason. Right, right. She always thought that way. And, and I didn't think that way enough. And uh, so I think that it's more important than ever for people in business and especially in e-commerce business to know their numbers. I, I like watching the reality show, The Prophet, Marcus mm, Lemons. Yeah, I love that guy. And, and he, you know, he always gets on to the people when they don't know their numbers. Know your numbers. I mean, don't just know what your sales figures are. Really know your numbers and your margins. And the thing that I would tack on top of that is multiple streams of income, multiple streams of income, multiple streams of income. <laughs> don't just rely on Amazon. I would even say don't necessarily even rely solely on private label. Or if it is private label, don't just have, I, I'm consulting a, a client who has one product, one product, and it's, it's crushing it, crushing it on Amazon, right? But, but it's just one product. If, if someone for some reason comes and shuts down that one product, it's all over. And, and the reason it could be is something so arbitrary. They find arsenic in it, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, something yeah, you, you outside never, of your control. So, so for me, you know, I'm looking at a bottom line. I'm like, I'm looking at, you know, for, for us to live the lifestyle that we want to live, that includes providing for the basic needs of my family. And then above that, you know, having some luxuries and then more as important as any of that is I, I always want to give back. I always, I always want to give again. I'm a person of faith. I think when you give, it opens that door of blessing yeah. so that more will give, be given to you. Yep. Uh, parable in the Bible about the the ones that that have some more will be given to them, and the ones that don't, they want. So uh, I take a look at that, and and I try to form a strategy on how am I going to get here. And man, when I'm drawing that out on the board right now, it's multiple streams of income. It, it it's private label, it's consulting, it's some wholesale flip. Um, really, uh, still, I don't work for the church anymore, but I still designate. A, a certain schedule of hours of my most creative time early in the mornings as a piano artist, musician, uh, putting out recordings and a podcast. All of that is revenue generating. And in this day and age that we live in, it's just if you have the means and the capacity to pursue your, your gifts and your passions, uh, create as many income streams as possible. It's, it's just safer that way. So we're going to end it here. Um, what to me, a couple of little takeaways I'm going to take is that you're still involved in your calling, which is music ministry, and you're still able to do it. You're just doing it in a different way, digitally, smart. You still get to do it on your terms. You get to decide. I think that that's phenomenal, and you're not getting um, somebody else's, you know, it's you. Second, 
is the rebirth done though kind of strategically and maybe you didn't know it maybe maybe it was just a nudge a gentle nudge as we like to say in faith but you had it and look at what it's been able to do for you and there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to have this success and i i applaud you as a guy um and as a dad um you know, for putting your family first and making sure that, you know, you provide in the right way and, and not giving up. And so, man, oh, man, it's a, it's a tough one. And I, I appreciate you being so honest and open because that just can't be tough to tell. So I wish you nothing but success. The best year of your life is this year. And I can't wait to hear how well it goes. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you so much, man. Your, uh, your podcast is an inspiration. And it is at the top of my list of podcasts that I listen to, e-commerce podcasts. So keep the episodes coming on. Take care. So that was a tough story, but man, what a great guy. What a phenomenal guy. And how could you not be inspired after hearing that? How could you not work a little harder? How could you not stay an extra half an hour or get in a half an hour earlier? How could you not have a B plan, have a C plan? Do you have a B plan? If you do not, you really need to address it. Now is the time. Don't risk it all on seven. You know, don't throw it out there because you'll get it. You'll hit it seven. But then when you don't, you don't. So please, you know, take heart in this and listen again. Um, you know, you can do everything right and then something, life will happen to you and you don't want to be in that position. So hope you're as inspired as I am. Reach out to me if I can help you in any way. Ecommercemomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.